0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: down for Easter this Sunday. I am good. Derek, 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 I got a great song. I see you got your guitar with you. Yeah, I just actually finished the set for this one. Well, Sunday. that's alright. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you knew it or not, but I know how to play. And this song, I mean, the words are just like right in my head. We can just put them down. And I was even thinking that I could sing it. Um, you want to check it out?
0: Do I really have a choice, Chris?
1: Uh Well, Derek, no, you don't. But um, I was just thinking that, you know, this song's going to be so great. I mean, I just got the chords, but the lyrics are going to penetrate people's hearts. And so it goes like this. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. And then what I thought, you know how you always close your eyes all the time? I just figured I'd close my eyes and go, Forever. Author of salvation
0: Well, uh, A for effort, Chris Um, Fact is, that's already a song Uh, We play it actually on Sunday So you probably just heard it on Sunday And
1: it's in your head Uh, And I'm not quite sure we even have enough mics for you to sing So I don't think it's going to work Derek, you just got to give it a chance And hey, I know we bought a couple extra microphones And you guys can use some of them I'll even use the lapel, I don't care Um, well, we, we gave those mics to the people over it on the
0: Uh, Chris, I I know you're the pastor and all here, and, and I know I just got here a couple of months ago, but I think
1: we really need to DTR here. Um, DTR. Yeah, 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 I think you're probably right. Oh, I, I get what you're saying. You're, you know, I haven't had enough time to practice this week, but next week, man, I could just rip it, you know? I mean... I I don't even need a microphone. I can just sing from my heart, you know, from where the Lord has kind of gifted me. I think you should probably go ahead and let me take care of the music on Sundays, and you just go ahead and do what. It, what do you do here again? Well, Derek, I mean, I'm the I'm the leader here, and I just think I could give some leadership to the band if you if you just gave me a chance. Okay, okay, Derek.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Yep.
0: Yep. 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 Listen, Chris, I promise, it's not me. It's you. You're awful. It, it was horrible. So you can't be in the worship band, but we can still be friends, right? I know it'll make everything better. I'll go buy you a Tom Brady jersey right now. Come on, let's go. Oh!
1: For me to jam, huh? You ready? April Fools. I can't sing. I can't play a guitar. We're very blessed to have Derek uh, with us. Um, and uh, I just want to begin this morning by saying happy Easter. happy Easter. And it's great to see all of you uh, here this morning. And uh, my name's Chris. If you're here for the first time or you didn't get it from uh, the whole DVD. Well, last Easter, there were three people that were on our staff who uh, were all engaged. And they all got married this past year. And it was very interesting over the past year to watch each of them kind of go through the emotional, uh, kind of charged experiences of relationships and dating and trying to figure out how all this stuff kind of works. And throughout this past year, they each have come to me uh, trying to ask for relational advice. And before their engagement to the people that they were connecting with, they said that they had to have a DTR talk with their significant other. And when they said DTR, I had absolutely no idea what they were talking about. It's like one of those moments where I'm only 38, but you finally realize you're getting old. You don't have all the lingo that you once had. So I'm like, I am, I'm clueless. I have no idea what they're talking about. And they explained to me that this was the big talk. It was the defining the relationship talk. I mean, each of them knew who they were. They were caring, loving, giving people who were serving Jesus here at the church. They knew their strengths and their weaknesses, what they liked, what they didn't like. They knew their purpose in life. They pretty much knew who they were. But that wasn't the question. The real question was, how would their significant other define who they were to them? What's the depth of the relationship? Where is this thing going? That's what they wanted to know. Now, many of us have been through this before, right? We have, uh, you know, gone through this. You spend all night on the phone talking to someone. Your cell phone is almost dead, so you have to plug it in. And you wake up to uh, the morning and you're still on the phone. Or you get in your car and you drive halfway across the state or across town or across the country to just meet with that person for a few moments because you're in love. And every once in a while, you have conversations like this. Well, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Well, I don't know. I want to do whatever you want to do. Well, I want to do whatever you want to do. You just kind of are hanging out. And you laugh at his lame jokes. And you always say that she looks beautiful without her makeup on. Ugh. (laughs) And you're at a stage in which everything is just kind of cute. This too will pass. And paying the restaurant kind of becomes, the restaurant bill becomes kind of weird because, you know, do they pay or do I pay or do we dutch it together? And, and then you finally wonder, is this the one? Are we more than just friends? Are we officially something? Has she changed her Facebook status? Who am I to him, right? Now, I'm not sure that my wife Jennifer and I ever had a DTR talk together. In fact, I'm pretty convinced we didn't. I just kind of looked at her one day, and this is what I thought. She's hot, I'm not. She's smart, I'm a fart. She's my best shot, I've got to go for not. And uh, I went and I pleaded and I'm like, please, please, like, you know, a little puppy dog, marry me. And she's like, okay, you know, and the rest is history. I think we got a picture up here of uh, Jennifer and I. Look at those glasses. I mean, those things are bigger than my head, you know. She's beautiful, hasn't changed. Man, I look like a doormat, you know, I mean. But most couples have this DTR talk, the defining the relationship talk. You know, the Easter story, and for that matter, the whole story of the Bible is about God coming to human beings and saying, I want to have a DTR talk with you. I want to have a defining the relationship talk with you. The key to Easter is, really is about defining the relationship with God. That's why Easter is all about. It's defining the relationship with God. In fact, in the New Testament, we find that uh, the second half of the Bible, we find that Jesus, over and over again, is going to people, asking them purposeful questions of how they would define Him. How they would define a relationship with Him. One day there was this very rich, wealthy, kind of religious leader. And he comes to Jesus. And uh, he's kind of pious. And he asks this question, Good teacher, what must I do to live forever? And Jesus says, Why are you calling me good? God is the only one who is good. In other words, Jesus is kind of implying here, are you catching on to something? Are you thinking that maybe I'm not just a mere man, that maybe I might be God? Or one day, He goes to His disciples and He just asks them this question, Who do you say that I am? Or after the resurrection, He corners one of His best friends, a guy by the name of Peter who was a fisherman, who eventually became the first leader of the church. And he goes to him and he says, Hey Pete, do you really love me? Or to one of his other friends, a guy by the name of Philip, he asks, Do you believe, Philip, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Or one day, Jesus was just teaching on this real heavy stuff, kind of count-the-cost kind of stuff, kind of the stuff that says, you know what, you have to give all of your life if you're going to follow me and turn away from everything else. And people started turning away. In fact, Jesus' whole kind of uh, followership just dropped, went straight down to the bottom of the barrel. And he looks to his disciples and he says, Are you going to leave me too? Or prior to healing a man who had blindness, had been blind his whole life, he looks to the guy and he says, do you believe that I can heal you? Folks, these are DTR moments here. And these men, these followers of Jesus, would give their literal lives to making sure that this message of the resurrection was passed on throughout history. That they gave up their lives for believing that Jesus was the Messiah, that He was God Himself. They clearly saw that Jesus was forcing them to define the relationship that they had with Him. To have that DTR taught. One of my favorite uh, DTR talks in the Bible, and for that matter, one of my favorite characters in all the Bible, is a guy by the name of Thomas. And Thomas, I really can relate to. I mean, time, Thomas kind of comes across as one of the Winnie the Pooh characters. Well, it'll come up here, and you can tell me if you know who it is. Who is that? Eeyore. Eeyore. Now, Eeyore is the kind of character who always sees the glass half empty. It's never full. He's got an attitude. It's always half empty. And a couple of months ago, uh, when we went down to uh, be with my uncle who had who had died um, and do the funeral uh, for him, uh, we went to Disney because he lives in Florida. And uh, we, while we were there, my my. Two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Jordan, uh, looks up and she sees Eeyore. And she asked me this question. She said, Daddy, why is Eeyore so sad? She goes, I'll go give him a hug. And she ran up there, and we have a picture there. And she just gives Eeyore this big, gigantic hug. But Eeyore, in the the Winnie-the-Pooh movies, kind of was like this. It's snowing, it's freezing, but at least we haven't had an earthquake yet. And when you read Thomas in the New Testament, what you find is that he has a little eeyore in him. So when Jesus gets the news that a friend of his, one of his best friends, had been sick and died, a guy by the name of Lazarus, And this was in Judea, which was away from them. And the reason they had to leave Judea was because all the religious leaders were trying to kill Jesus. I mean, that's a good reason to leave a town, you know, if someone's trying to kill you. But when Jesus hears about the death of his friend, he decides to go and be with his friend and his family. And he tells all the disciples, hey guys, guess what? We're going back to the town where they tried to kill me. And the disciples kind of get together and they're like, "Um, we don't think that's very smart. You know, they begin to start questioning his strategy. But it's Thomas who kind of speaks up like Eeyore with his voice, you know, king of bravery, and says, let's go and die with him too. I mean, this is not like an inspiring talk that Thomas gives. I mean, it's no brave heart, you know, kind of take it all. And when Jesus gives his final message, after he had spent three years with these guys, three years living and breathing with each one of them, training, teaching, just doing all of life together, on the last night before he dies, he says to them, Don't worry about anything. Trust in me. Trust in me. I mean, I know it's going to be tough, but here's the deal. I'm going to leave, and I'm going to set up a place for you with my Father. You know the way there. And these guys are all like sitting around there, and it's just like, right over their heads. Have you ever been to uh, maybe a, a classroom setting or a workshop or a conference or something? And the teacher's up there and they're saying something. The instructor is saying something, but you don't have a clue what they're talking about. Anyone ever been there? Okay. The rest of you are liars. We know that. <laughs> We've all been there before, right? And just don't have a clue what's going on. Um. And you look around the class, and what you start to notice is you're not alone. Everyone else is just standing there. You know, they don't get it either. But no one wants to raise their hand because you don't want to look stupid, and you don't want to ask the question even though everyone else is thinking about it. And this is what happens to the disciples. They're all sitting there going, what? What's he talking about? But Thomas is the one that pipes up and he raises his hand and he says, Jesus, excuse me, uh, could you wait a minute here? We haven't any idea where you're going, so how can we know the way to get there? I mean, Jesus, you just rode in on a donkey a week ago into Jerusalem and everyone was like, you demand, Jesus, you demand. And we just raised Lazarus, From the dead. And there's like this huge buzz about you right now, Jesus. I mean, it's greater than American Idol, you know. And we kind of have this role here, and we're doing really good. So, where are you going? Why are you leaving? And then Jesus looks at Thomas and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets to the Father except by means of me. Jesus is saying, I'm it. I'm the real deal. I'm the one that they have been waiting for for thousands of years. I mean, I'm really it. When you come to know me, then you get to know God. And he goes on to say, folks, now the cat is out of the bag. This is who I am. so the question is, how do you want to relate to me now in those terms? And we know that before the next morning, Jesus is arrested, he's spit upon, he's beaten to a pulp, and he's executed in a most vile way. Crucified on a cross with nails in his hands and feet, with a spear in his side. And in crucifixions, typically they would just take the body off of the cross and lay it down at the ground and dogs would come and they would eat what was ever left. And this appears to be the end of the story. Such a tragic story. The disciples run for their lives because they're thinking maybe we'll be next. And they're scared to death and they kind of scatter all over the place. And the next couple of days must have been the lowest and most depressing moments of their lives because nothing had worked out the way that they had spent their last three lives or three years doing it. Just think about that. Three years of your life believing, doing, walking away from jobs even, and now all of a sudden it doesn't pan out the way that you wanted it. And to make matters worse, now there's a the laughingstock of Jerusalem. These dummies believed in this guy. He can't do anything. They're just a big joke. They're experiencing all these horrible nightmares. Now it looks like the carpenter from Nazareth is really just that. He's just a carpenter from Nazareth. He's just a big joke, a liar, just another self-proclaimed Messiah who said that he was the one and he ended up being crucified. And these guys fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. But then Sunday comes and rumors start coming around some of the women who were some of Jesus' closest followers said that they saw him and that he wasn't dead, but he was alive. And of course, they shared this to a bunch of guys, and the guys don't believe them. I mean, that's what guys do. They typically don't believe. But then they hear from a couple guys who were down the road in this town called Emmaus, And they come to this group of disciples who are depressed and discouraged, and they go, We saw him too. We didn't just see him, but we actually sat down and had dinner with him. He broke bread with us, and then he disappeared right from our sight. And these disciples are sitting there going, No way! No way! So they're processing all of this and they're scared for their lives. They figured they might be crucified as well. And so they go to a house and they lock the doors down in this one particular room so that they cannot be captured because they're fearful for their lives. But then all of a sudden, in the midst of this locked room, Jesus shows up into the room. And they're speechless. Every single one of them. Except one. Anyone want to guess who that is? Thomas. But the only reason that Thomas is speechless is because he's not there. I mean, he just kind of skipped that meeting and he went down and applied, you know, for a job at Walmart to be one of the greeters. Because Thomas is like, you know what, this thing is not going anywhere and uh, I'm going to go on with my life. But later, when they started telling Thomas exactly what they had experienced, he doesn't buy into it. And I mean, who could blame the guy? No one had ever seen someone who was dead come back. He says, I'm not going to believe until I see it for myself. I know that you've experienced this, but I just don't believe it. I'm not going to believe it until I see the nail holes in his hands and the... Spear wound in his side. I'm sorry, guys, but I'm just not buying it. I think you're all hallucinating. I mean, massive hallucination. But you're all doing it. But a week later, it happens another time. And this time, Thomas is there. And this is what the Bible says. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them through the locked through the door, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Can you just imagine that? Jesus coming right into your room, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting. And believe Thomas. And it tells us that his only response was to say, My Lord and my God. He proclaims Jesus' divinity. Have any of you ever seen this uh, painting that will come up um, from the Italian painter Caravaggio? Anyone ever see that? Well, Caravaggio was kind of an interesting guy. He was a punk painter. He was incredibly gifted, crazy gifted, but he was always getting in fights with people all the time and getting drunk and wasted. And they believe that he mysteriously was murdered because of some fight that he was in. And in this famous painting of him, the lighting that he did, the lighting is just amazing. It's just gorgeous of, of how he painted that lighting. But I really doubt that it happened this way. Uh, One reason is because uh, the guys would have been much younger than what is portrayed here. I mean, not like these old dudes. And uh, secondly, the Scripture doesn't tell us that Thomas actually put his finger into the side. It just says that Thomas responded, You are my Lord and my God. You see, when Jesus showed up in his life... Thomas' world was rocked. The resurrected Jesus. And his DTR moment happened right then. This is our relationship, Jesus. I'm just telling you right now. This is our relationship. You are Lord and you are God of my life. And the relationship is defined. You see, folks, the resurrection proved that Jesus was exactly who He said He would be. The cross is love expressed. And the resurrection is love empowered. Because every single person on planet earth has to bow to one thing, and it's this, death. And Jesus was the only one who did not have to do that. He's the only one who didn't stop at death, but He came back to live. You see, Jesus proved His Lordship by beating death itself with a glorified and resurrected body. And here's the the deal, folks, that all of the disciples themselves were martyred. In other words, they were beaten and killed for their beliefs, all of them except one, and that was John. John was the youngest of all of them, and it tells us um, from tradition that he was actually boiled in oil because of his belief. I just can't imagine what that must have looked like. But because he believed, he was an eyewitness, he knew he was Messiah and God, and he passed it on. He was boiled in oil and then sent to live in exile for the rest of his life. Now let me ask you folks, what people would give up their life, their very life, for a lie? Thomas, Doubting Thomas, is believed to have gone as far as Iran and Turkey and then eventually India, sharing the story of this Messiah, this one who had come and had been resurrected. And because of that, he was impaled. And what that means is that they would take a stick or a pole and they would ram it through his body, kind of like you do with chicken or a, you know, steak on a skewer. And you would put it on there for your kebab, but they did that to his body. And the other disciples had similar acts of torture that happened to them as well. And yet, they paid the high cost because of what they had experienced, of the power that they had received from Him. That God gave them something to change their entire lives. And that they became men who were scared and locked behind doors to become men who were fearless leaders. Fearless eyewitnesses of what Jesus had done. But when you hear these stories every once in a while, you just kind of forget that they were just normal, ordinary people. Just like... You and me. They had homes and they had kids and families, spouses. But they were radically affected and they were changed by the resurrection. That once Jesus came into their life, they were radically changed. And they turned from their old ways and they turned toward the way of Christ. It was almost 15 years ago that I had my own DTR talk with Jesus. I was raised in uh, the church. I was raised even as a PK, a preacher's kid. And all those bad stories that you hear about preacher's kid, they all uh, were my life, basically. But it wasn't until I was 24 that I really defined... My relationship with God. My whole life up to that point, I wore a mask. I simply tried to please the people around me and let them see something that I really wasn't to try to show that I had it all together. But on the inside, I just couldn't keep up the image. I was lying to myself on the inside. And I thought the only way that I could ever please God is if I just performed at a very high level. I had a lot of pride issues too. I thought I could go through life and I didn't have to give it all to him. I didn't have to admit my need to him. And I didn't want anyone to kind of know the last 10% of my life. My flub ups, my mess ups, my screw ups, my sins. I just wanted people to think that I could put it together. And to be honest, when I looked at my life in college, I even thought, you know, does God even want me? Does He even want me? Folks, the resurrection changed every single thing in my life. I would have never imagined that I would be sitting in this place right now. I just wouldn't believe it. And he just used the moldy clay because the resurrection changes everything. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Paul. He gave up his own life for the resurrection, and he ended up writing over half of the New Testament. But before he actually came to Christ, he persecuted the church. He actually set up Christians to be murdered. And one day he meets Jesus in this vision and he has this DTR talk with him. This defining the relationship moment with him. And years and years later, he writes to a group of people of his friends in Greece. And this is what he said. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Because all of this is from God who reconciled us, which means He just made peace with us through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, of making peace with other people. You see, God was reconciling the world, making peace to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He doesn't keep track of your sins. So Paul says, we implore you, we beg you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. In other words, have your DTR moment with Him. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Be made right with God. Man, what a statement. So let me just ask you this morning, are you ready to have your DTR talk with Jesus? Because if the resurrection is true, then he's Lord. And we have to respond to that in some way. Now the Bible tells us that the real response to this is to repent, which is just a big kind of theological religious word in which it means we change our mind. It implies that you turn away from what you have been doing, what your life has been like, and you turn towards the direction of Jesus Himself. It means you simply come to Him just as you are. Just exactly as you are. And you confess your brokenness and you admit it. And you just ask Him, and you tell Him like Thomas did, I want you to be Lord and God of my life. And you follow Him. And you realize when you do this each day that your life will never be the same again. When you do this, Jesus promises that whatever in your life you're struggling with, through His love, He will bring healing to you. And that He really, really loves you. All of you. And you believe it, folks. You just believe it. Just like Jesus said to Thomas, stop doubting and believe. So in just a moment, I'm going to uh, pray, especially for those of you who've never really had a DTR talk with Jesus, to to define your relationship with Him. And honestly, that's the reason we exist as a church. The jar exists Tell people that are broken like me, people broken like you, to get connected to the resurrected Jesus. And for anyone who wants to, uh, who does this prayer today, we just have a couple things that we want to give you. We want to give you a, and this is all free, but a, a new Bible, in a translation that you can understand, one without wear and all that kind of stuff. And we have a CD of some of the songs that we sing here at the Jar, and you can pick that up. And inside, there's just some next steps of how you can continue to kind of grow in your relationship with God. And there's tables. There's one over here on my left and one over here on my right that you can just go and pick one of those up. And so after we pray, Derek and the band are going to kind of close us out in a song. And so don't run away right now, okay? Greeters, lock the doors back there. I'm joking. Not really. Lock them. No, i joking. Okay. But after we pray, uh, Derek is going to lead us in a song. And if you prayed that prayer with me, just during the song, we'll be standing so, so no one will know. Just go to one of these tables and get the Bible in the packet that we have for you. No one's going to twist your arm or kind of lead you in some kind of prayer unless you want that. But you can just pick it up, come back to your seat and uh, then we'll close out. So um, let's go ahead and stand for prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you come right now, through the power of Your Holy Spirit. Would You come and would You just reveal Yourself to us? Just like You did for Thomas, just as You did for the disciples and Paul, just as You did for me, God, 15 years ago, and as You've done for literally billions of people. So would You come right now, in the power of Your Spirit, God, in this moment. And I pray right now, Father, for us who are here and we're ready to have that DTR talk with You. That in our very hearts, God, we we call out to You right now. And if you're at that point, life is at a point where you're ready to define this relationship with Him. I'd just like you to pray kind of silently to yourself. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. Thank you for wiping the slate clean today and making me a new creation. Thank you for conquering the grave, death itself, so that God, I can go through life and I don't have to fear death. Jesus, I am ready to define my relationship with You. I want You to be my Lord and my God. I am Yours from this point on. And I will follow You the rest of my life the best way I know how. Give me the power to do it, even as I stumble, that you would be there to help lift me up. Come right now, Jesus, and change me today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And when you're ready, if you want to pick up one of those gift packages, just go ahead.
0: kindness of Savior.
1: we start creed, which is a little card in your uh, program. So take that, put it up on your uh, refrigerator where you'll be today, I'm sure. And I uh, know that you're loved in this place. If you want prayer for anything, come on up.